Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Are you ready to hear God's Word this morning? Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. I'm going to continue our series this morning, our series entitled Radical. Radical. There's no such thing as a Christian and a radical Christian because you're either radical or you're not a Christian. What I mean by that is look, look at the definition of radical. Radical, relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something. That's what happened when you got saved, friend. You weren't just somewhat changed or a little bit changed. You were totally and completely, fundamentally changed by the power of God. I mean, there's no greater change than death to life. From being blind to being able to see. From lost to found. And that's exactly what happened to you when you gave your life to Christ. Therefore, you, friend, are a radical Christian. Somebody say, I am a radical Christian. Yeah, that's who you are. You don't know it yet, but that's who you are. That is exactly who you are. John chapter 8. Now listen, I know there's two types of people in here. uh, And every time I get up to preach anywhere, whether it be here at Remnant or somewhere else, There's always two types of people, and that's it, two types of people. It's those who are saved and those who aren't. I mean, yes, there's different colors of skin. Yes, there's different cultures. But spiritually, there's only two types of people, believers and unbelievers, those who are lost and those who have been found. This morning, I I understand I'm talking to two different types of people. For the believer... I want you to know how much, or for the unbeliever, excuse me, I want you to know how much Jesus loves you today. That's what I want you to hear. You hear me? If you don't know Jesus today, I want you to hear how much Jesus loves you. How much does he love me, Pastor? He loves you so much that God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, and he gave him his, his son to die on a cross while you were yet a sinner. Still, still in your sin. I'm talking about before you ever thought about going to church, before you ever thought about changing your life, before you ever hung around church folk, before you ever read your Bible, before you ever, whatever. I'm talking before you ever thought about God, God was thinking about you. So unbeliever, I want you to hear how much Jesus loves you. Believer, I want to remind you how much Jesus Christ loves you, what he's done for you, and now listen, what your response should be to his grace. How you should respond to his grace. John chapter 8, you ready? Here we go. Verse 1. Then each one went to his house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and he began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees 
brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught, I'd underline that, caught, in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say, Jesus? They ask this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. And then Jesus stooped down and he started riding in the ground in the sand that was on the temple floor. He started riding on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and he said to them, and this is probably one of the most famous scriptures in all the Bible, you without sin cast the first stone. Then Jesus stooped back down and began riding in the sand. When they heard this, they dropped their rocks. They left one by one, starting with the older men, and only Jesus was left with the woman at the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, are you listening to me this morning? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? She looks up. No one, Lord. And then Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Oh, hallelujah. And then Jesus said, go, get up, and from now on, do not sin any more. Now, the first thing I want you to look at is this. The Bible says that they caught this woman in the very act of adultery, called her. That means they tried to trap her. In other words, in, 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 to catch someone in the act of adultery, it means they seen her in the act. So this lady was snatched up, caught up, with probably just a sheet covering herself, and then threw at the feet of Jesus. By who, pastor? Who would try to set this woman up and try to catch this woman because the Jewish law said uh, that you had to see her, lay eyes on her. It wasn't good enough just for her to see her going into a man's house that she shouldn't be in. It wasn't just good enough to see her car there. You had to catch her in the act. Who were these people who were so worried about what she was doing that they'd forget about what they were doing to try to catch this woman doing what she was doing? 
Glad you asked. It was the religious Pharisees. People who knew a lot about, listen to me now, knew a lot about God, but did not know God. Did you hear me? There's a big difference in religion and relationship. Jesus did not die so that you could have religion. He died and rose again so that you could have relationship with him. This isn't religion. Religion is man-made, man-made rules, man-made regulations. It is lukewarm at best. It makes God sick. Do you hear me? It's churchy without being the church. It's knowing all the rhetoric without having the relationship. It's going to all the services without actually giving God service. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's knowing all, mm, knowing all the worship songs without worshiping the one the songs were wrote about. This is religion. And these religious men caught her. And this brings me to point number one. Religion tries to catch you. Catch you doing it. But radical love covers you. We were translating this in to Spanish earlier this week, trying to find the right word. And they were going on about this, this the word, and I don't know what the word was. But then they begin to say, this word in Spanish means shelter and protect. And I said, that's the word. Because that's what God's love does. It does, come on somebody. It doesn't catch us in our wrong and then try to expose us to everyone. No, the Bible says that the love of God covers a multitude of sin. I'm so thankful for the love of God. See, in order for you to be a good religious person, you have to make others look bad. You understand that? Because, see, religion focuses on self-righteousness. And when you begin focusing on yourself, you are not going to like what you see. That's why the born-again believer doesn't focus on their self. They don't focus on another. They focus on Jesus. But when you're self-righteous and you don't like what you see, guess what? You got to get your eyes off of you, and then you get them on to somebody else. And you begin to say, well, that person, look what they're doing, and look what this person's doing. Even so much so that you'll try to catch people in the act. The Bible says she was caught in the very act. And then they took and threw her at the feet of Jesus. I want you to get it in your mind and see it now. Caught in the very act, covered by sheep, in a mess, embarrassed. Where, she where are they at? They're at the temple. Hello? 
they threw her at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus was at the temple. So now everybody sees what this woman is doing, what's going on with this woman here, thrown at the feet of Jesus, embarrassed, condemned, men pointing their finger at her. And I thought about this. Here's the woman. Here's Jesus. Here's the accusers, these religious Pharisees. And then I thought, where's the man? I thought the women were going to, whoa, hallelujah. Where's the man? Point, point number two, religion picks favorites. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean religion, religion points out these sins but leaves these sins alone. It points out this sin and raises the level of severity of this sin, but then it just turns its nose, it, you know, just ignores this because, you know, it raises one sin greater than the other. But can I tell you, sin, 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 not, not this sin or that sin, but sin separated us from God. The adultery, just as much as the white lie, whatever that means, all of it sets us apart from God. It separates us from God, and we cannot get to God unless Jesus intervenes, the one who knows no sin. I wonder where the man was, but they weren't concerned about where the man was. They, no, they were concerned about trapping up Jesus. What was the trap they'd get Jesus with? Well, you've got to understand here that Jesus is living with these Jews in Jerusalem, around Jerusalem, with the law. Uh, under Jewish law, but not only under Jewish law, under Roman law. And they're living in both of these law, under both of these laws. The Jewish law is the spiritual law. It's, 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 it's the ceremonial law. It's the law of God. And he said, listen, this is what the law says. The Jewish law says we're supposed to kill this woman. But see, the Romans wouldn't allow the Jews to enforce the penalty of death. Just the Romans could do that. So they would allow the Jews to do their thing until it got to a certain point. And then the Romans said, we'll handle it from here. So they asked Jesus, now trying to trap him, they said, this is what the law says. What do you say? And the Bible says Jesus got down and he began to ride in the sand. 
And then he stood up and he said, those of you who have never sinned, you be the first one to throw the rock at this woman. They hushed. I guess. And then Jesus went back down, got on the, hear me, got on the level with this woman. Got back down and began to ride in the sand again. I wonder what he wrote. The Bible doesn't say what he wrote. Do you know what I think he wrote down in the sand? I think he wrote down the charge, adultery. Then I believe he wrote down the punishment, death. But then what I love is what he done next. He stood up. What's the importance of that? There's no question that we are guilty of our sin. Did you do it? Yes, you've done it. You may not be doing it now, but you've done it before. Did you say it? You guarantee you said it. You lived it. Some of you shot it up, smoked it, told it, sold it, went there, stayed there. That's not in question. But here's the beauty of the gospel. You've done it, but Jesus stands up. Yes, you were an adulterer. Yes, you were a sinner. Yes, you were a liar. Yes, you've done these things. But Jesus stood up in your place. Jesus stood up and said, yeah, they've done it. But can I remind you what I've done over 2,000 years ago? I stood in their place, taking on the sin, bearing it in my body. On cross. Then he stooped down and continued riding on the ground. You know what I like about this? The woman didn't say anything. Jesus stood up for her and spoke up for her. Some of y'all need to just shut up. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I, what I mean by that is you need nobody. Quit trying to tell your side of the story. Quit trying to make it work. Trying to make it fit. Trying to make an excuse. You done it. You said it. You were there. 
You lived it. Everybody's seen it. God already knows all about it. But there is forgiveness. There is grace. There is mercy. There is a radical love that knows no boundaries and knows no limits. There is a grace that only God can give you. Shut up. Facebook don't need to hear it. Twitter don't need to know about it. Snapchat don't need to see it. Tell God about it and then let God fight your battles. Let God handle it. Well, glory. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, just shut up. Shut up. Quit trying to get it all squared away. Am I talking to anybody today? She didn't say a word. You know what she didn't say? She didn't say, well, yeah, but let me tell you what he done. She didn't say, where's he at? She didn't say, wait a minute now. He come on to me first. He wrote me a card first. He snapped me first. He sent roses to me first. I wasn't looking for him. He came looking for me. I was unhappy. I was, you don't know how my husband treats me. Shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> well, You were wrong. Who's this woman? I'm this woman. Notice she didn't have a name. She was the adulteress. But you're this woman. I'm this woman. Everybody in this room has been this woman. We're the woman. Thrown at the feet of Jesus, Satan making accusations against us, and us knowing that we done it. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Let me show you what Jesus done. First of all, he didn't condemn. He showed compassion. But now listen to me. He didn't compromise. What do I mean by that? Look at the last verse. Verse 11, who condemns you? No one, Lord, she answered, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and do not sin anymore. You hear that? He didn't condemn her. He, did, he had compassion on her, but he did not compromise. He didn't say, oh, I know you. I know how, I know, I know, baby. I know it's all right. It ain't all right. You hear me? To hell with that kind of thinking. Sin is not all right. Sin has never been all right. Sin has never been okay. Sin will always steal from you. It will always kill. It will always destroy you. It will always bring havoc in your life. Is that okay? No, I'm not talking. I know that's not okay. I'm talking about is what I'm saying, okay? You know why I'm saying it? Because, 
because I done seen too many people that I love tore up, messed up, went back, started talking to the people that they had stopped talking to, hanging around the people they quit hanging around, picking up the stuff that they laid down. You're crazy if you don't think I'm going to talk about it because I love you. I love you. And you can walk out. You can leave me. You can hang up. You can whatever. But you ain't. You can go to another church. You can find you another church. You can get another preacher. But there's one thing. You are not going to get away from God. And God is going to draw you. And if you get miserable, you'll just be miserable. And I'm hoping some of you get so miserable that you say, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And you go running back to God. Hallelujah. So if you don't think I'm going to talk about sin, you've lost your mind. When we quit sinning, I'll talk about something else. Did I tell you because I love you? You know who knows about the danger of sin? Someone who's sinned. Because I know what it does. Every one of us have been touched by it. Who condemns you? She said, Lord, there's, there's nobody here. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. Point number three is this. My response to God's radical grace should be radical obedience. He caught me in the sin, but he covered me. He didn't expose me, but he rescued me. Now, I've got to live for him. Luke chapter 10. A whole nother story. Jesus dealing with the same religious folk. And I'm closing. Luke chapter 10. You can turn there. Starts at verse 25. An expert in the law, a religious person, stands up and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, Well, what's written? How do you read it? The law, the, 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 the law expert said, Well, I read it like this. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then the religious person said, 
but who's my neighbor? And then Jesus said, oh. it don't say that, but he did. You've lost your mind if you don't think Jesus said, oh. who's your neighbor? All right. He said, let me explain it to you. He said, there was a man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him. They beat him up. Are you listening? Then they left him for dead. Here's the good part. A priest is coming. A preacher. Surely he's going to do something about this man who has been stripped, beaten, and left for dead. And the Bible says the priest sees this man and says, Oh, crap. I don't want nothing to do with him. And he yanked the reins of his donkey to the other side of the road into oncoming donkey traffic to get away from this man. That's what it says. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Then, okay, strike one. Then in the same way, oh, here we go, a Levite. What is a Levite? This is the worship leader. This is the one who helps the priest, who works for the church, who loves the Lord, who loves to sing and praise God and lift their hands and give in the offering and do all kind of church stuff. Surely he'll help. Same thing. Snatches the reins of his donkey, swings into oncoming traffic, just to not have to deal with this man. Then Jesus says, after the priest passed him and the Levite passed him, a Samaritan came. Now this is important because Samaritans and Jews normally had no dealings with each other. They were culturally indifferent. They, the Jews looked on them as substandard humans because they had mixed relations with people who didn't serve God and different reasons, but that was the main one. But a Samaritan riding on his donkey on his journey came up to him. And when he saw the man, listen, listen, listen. When he saw the man, he had compassion. And this morning, I'm talking to church people for just a moment. I'm praying that once again, we will be baptized in compassion. He's seen this man that doesn't even like him. 
doesn't want anything to do with this Samaritan, but the Samaritan seen him and had compassion on him, and he got off of his donkey, and he bandaged up his wounds, and he poured on the oil, he poured in the wine, this was to help heal the body, then he put him on his own animal and brought him to the inn, took care of him, gave him some money. He said, if he spends it all, I'll come back and pay for some more. What's the point in this? Here's my point. Point number four. We've got to have enough compassion to get off our donkey. Do you get what I'm putting down? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? It's time to get off of our donkey for just a minute and say, I know what it's like to be beaten and left for dead. I know what it, I know what it's like. Some of y'all forgot what it's like. And, I, and I, you know, I was talking to the Lord this week and this is what the Lord told me. He said, he said, some of us would be in this same condition, but for the grace of God. The old, hey, you better stop looking down on people and where they're at. Because if God had not saved you when he did, at the time he did, you'd be at the same place. Stripped, naked, broken, busted, and left. Four dead. But for the grace of God, so go I. But God. Huh? But God. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Other folks may deny. I'm telling you right now, I thank God for the big butts in my life. I was going down, but God. I was broke, but God. I was lost, but God. I couldn't do it, but God done it. I said, God done it. God done it. Well, hallelujah. And this is why, and I'm about to lose it now, but this is why I get off my donkey. This is why I don't snatch the reins and go over to the other side of the road. No, I can get down like Jesus got down in the dirt and in the sand with this woman. I can get down in the dirt with my brother and my sister. I can get down. I can have compassion on the lost, on the hurting, because I've experienced this grace. I've experienced this forgiveness. I've experienced this love. This morning, 
If you're saved, <laughs> let me remind you, it wasn't you, man. It wasn't you, ma'am. It wasn't you, sir. You was busted, busted up on the road, hung out, hung over, left to die. You couldn't get up. You couldn't get the help. But help came to you. Help came to you. Therefore, because I've been touched by God's grace, because I've been saved from death, I can't help but tell other people about what God has done for me. That's our response. That's our obedience. That's what we're to do. That's who we are. That's what God has called us to do. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. What good is your gospel if you don't tell it? What God, you're going to stand before God one day. And if you're saved, your soul is settled. But he is going to ask you, what did you do with my son, Jesus? I'm a preacher, ain't I? But so are you. And you, and you, and you way over there. You have been called to preach the gospel. Can't nobody tell it like I can tell it. So the old song says, how he's set me free. Can't nobody tell it like I tell it what he's done for me. Well, can't no, I like that because that's how I talk. Can't nobody tell it. Like I tell it. Uh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I don't remember how it goes. But nobody can tell it like you can tell it. Nobody can tell your story like you can tell your story. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm telling you, well, I don't know if I am ready to tell it. What do you mean? I'm not talking about you don't have to know any scripture. I'm saying you don't have to know where Genesis is or Revelation. All you got to do is be able to tell them what happened in your life. That's all. That's all. Hear me. Hear me. We're living in the best days of the church. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. People are realizing once again, how fragile all this man-made systems are, government, economics, all of it, man-made, going to fail, based on man, set up on sand, going to wash away one day. And men and women are looking for something they can put their faith in that will not fail and will not let go of them and will not break down and will not tremble when there is stress upon 
It's the gospel of Jesus. Men and women are looking for something to place their faith in. Now is the time. I'm the adulterer. I was the woman at the feet of Jesus. I was the man left for dead. But Jesus came to me when I couldn't come to him. And if you're saved today, may God baptize you with tears. I know I cry a lot. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I want to stay broken before God. I want the fact that people are dying and going to hell, I want it to trouble me. I want it to bother me. I want to get to a place in my life where when I see somebody, I don't see the color of their skin. I don't see how much money they may have or may not have. I don't, I don't describe them or label them by a job that they may have or they may not have or by their age or by anything like that. But when I see a person, I see the soul of a man, a woman. Because one day, friend, everything that I mentioned is going to fade away. There'll be no PhDs in heaven or hell. There'll be no doctorates in heaven or hell. You'll be not known by your occupation in heaven or hell. Your account balance won't matter in heaven or hell. The color of your skin will not matter in heaven or hell. Your relationships with other people will not matter in heaven or hell. What will matter? What will matter is that you've fallen on your knees Swallowed pride. Recognize your need for Jesus. That's the only thing. I want everyone to stand with me all across the building. For the believer today, and I wish you'd keep them moving now to a minimum now. Somebody might give their life to Jesus this morning. Two already have. So give me five more minutes. Believer, hear me. This is what I want for you. This is my desire for you. I want 
you to be bothered to the point that you'll step out of that which is comfortable, move into uncomfortable, leave that which is convenient, and do the inconvenient to reach people for Jesus. I want you to be bothered by the fact that people are dying and going to hell. Do you want your friends to go to hell? Do you want your family to go to hell? Do you want people that you go to church with to go to hell? I'm about to lose it all my voice. I'll quit when I get finished. You see, these names on here, this isn't a fad. This wasn't something we'd done because we thought it was a good idea. This is the heart of our church. These names represent people who are lost, who aren't saved. Some of them are circled. Those are the ones that have been saved. This is what we're called to do. Preach the lost. Where our heart is not in the right place if we're not crying tears over these names. If we're not sickened by the thought of a friend or a family member stepping into eternity without Jesus. So I want you to be baptized in compassion today. My, my goal was to, to do that by reminding you, Heather, that you're that woman. you were that man left on the side of the road that nobody wanted anything to do with, John. That was you. That was me. That was you, Robert. That was you. It was you. It was me. And I want you to be reminded of that. I want you to show compassion not condemnation, not compromise, but compassion, pointing people to Jesus. And then I can't show compassion if I don't give you an opportunity today to come to Jesus. ask you, ma'am, sir, friend, you didn't come here by accident. 
No. God ordained for you to be here, and I want to ask you a question. If you were to slip into eternity, and it's the veil between here and there is just one breath away. It's one heartbeat away. The veil, the cloth, the wall that separates this life from that life. The Bible says it's just a vapor. It's just the fog in the morning. That's all it is. You see it when you go to work. When you look out the window after you get to work, it's gone. Just like that, life is but a vapor. God has not promised you any length of time. He hasn't promised you tomorrow. He hasn't promised you this afternoon. But he has promised you this. If you place your faith in him, he promised you. If your next step steps into eternity or your next step is here on this earth, that he never leave you nor forsake you. That every step from here on out is ordered by him. Now I've preached as hard as I can preach. Holy Spirit, Do what only you can do, God. Speak to the hearts. Speak to their hearts, oh God. Compel them, oh God, if they're not saved. And I know there's people in here that aren't saved today. I know it. Because God wouldn't have gave this message to me if there weren't. And I'm asking you, Quit resisting and surrender. They're going to sing this song one time. After they sing this song, I'm going to open up this altar. I'm coming down here now because I want to be the first one to welcome you into the family of God. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.